1: and our YouTube channel to chronicle our adventures. Come along with us to amazing
0: places and learn from our mistakes and our successes.
1: We hope that you will get out there too and have a photog adventure of your own.
0: It's episode one hundred one zero zero. Oh my gosh, that is
1: amazing. <laughs> <laughs> We're
0: in triple digits. Who wants to celebrate Woo-hoo! with a little bit of noise Woo-hoo! with me? <laughs> Sounds like a bunch <laughs> of like weak, kind of ill coyotes are nearby. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm joined by four
0: of our awesome admins, Rob, Daryl, and what's your name, Dan, and then Brent. All these awesome guys are hanging out with me right now. What's your name? <laughs> <laughs> and now 100 episodes have
1: happened. It's a great number to be at.
0: And we're joined today by our admins and Jeff Harmon. Hey, Jeff Harmon. Hello. The one and only Jeff Harmon, the Jeff Harmon bump that gave us everything that we needed to get started. So we wanted to have Mm -hmm. Jeff Harmon on here to celebrate episode 100, talk to him about his work, his stuff that he's gonna do down at createphotographyretreat.com. If you're going down to that, he is presenting and has workshops there. So talk about that. We've also got the admins. I asked them some questions that I'm going to ask Jeff Harmon as well. And so let me go ahead and piece in that part of the conversation with Jeff. But first, Jeff, in the beginning, and guys, we've mentioned this before, in the beginning of the Photog Adventures podcast, it was a big difference before the Jeff Harmon interview of December 4th, 2016, Mm. to after. And to put it into perspective, <laughs> Brendan and I were considering maybe not doing the podcast and focusing only on the YouTube stuff or focusing only on writing things for the website. And then we had interviewed Jeff, and as we're making this decision, we noticed our stats change.
1: Yeah, I mean, we had a sat down and had a serious discussion Of uh-huh. we were really, really considering killing the podcast. We just barely got started. It took a lot of time. That and thing, we had too. talked to Jim Harmer. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: We basically did a consultation with him, Jeff, talking about what Photog Adventures was, what we were doing already with YouTube, the podcast, and the website. Right. He recommended that I ditch the YouTube channel and the podcast, honestly, uh-huh. right, and just right. focus. And so when we were thinking, okay, well, are we getting in over our head? Yeah, We've definitely been in over our head yeah. <laughs> for the last two years. <laughs> but what should we do? Should we keep going with the podcast? It has just barely started.
1: We, we like doing all of it so much, though. You know what I mean? Like it, yeah. It's as hard as like killing one of your babies. It's like, we can't
0: like, kill <laughs> right, one of our babies. Right. <laughs> and we knew there weren't many people listening, but it was fun still. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of fun. So to put into perspective, that transition from December 4th before, so before Jeff Harmon's interview, from September 8th until December 4th, 2016, In total, our listens were 957. That's just in total. So for three
1: months, total listens, not even 1,000. Not even
0: 1,000 listens for three months. The stats after Jeff Harmon were 6,730 listens.
1: That wasn't feeling nice at that time. (laughs)
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really nice, and and this the, the information of what it felt like that day. I'm holding my podcast stats app and sitting on the bus coming from the train, heading into work in downtown Salt Lake, and seeing that drug
1: judgingly, looking forward to work. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, I
0: hated it every minute heading there. <laughs> that whole three months of 1,000 listens total, I was seeing a hundred listens in the same day. I was mm. seeing his podcast, specifically the interview with Jeff Harmon was up to several hundred. And then we were seeing other listens. And I found out by listening to photo taco more Mm -hmm. that he was recommending us to his listeners. He was saying, if you guys haven't listened to this podcast yet, try it out. Photo Mm -hmm. talk adventures. Mm -hmm. So Jeff, I wish you could see us right now so that you can (laughs) see us bowing to you and thanking you, (laughs) you recommended us. Why did you ever try to be so nice?
3: Well, I, I, I there, there is room in the world for every kind of podcast there is, and mm-hmm. and I I like it. I love it too. I love the the medium. I love podcasts in general, and I think it's starting to get a much broader foothold now than when we were, you know, when you were starting and when when I was getting into it, and and like Jim's experience that you know that that's a little bit older now at this point, and I, I do think it's mm-hmm. growing and developing. And there's plenty of room for everyone. Like I know there's uh, there's there's this business thing out there. A lot of people you, you got to watch your competition. And you you right, right. when you have a small business, it's how am I going to beat my other competitors here, <laughs> especially in the local environment. And and then as, as it keeps growing, it's it's a growing concern. How am I going to going to beat my competitors? And it's just a little different in podcasting. At least for now, it is because there's so much room for it. There's so many listeners. Really, what we have to do with podcasting is we have to to advertise podcasting itself we've got to get it so that people know what it is that the average person in the u.s at least i I think it holds for a lot of the world still doesn't even know what a podcast is Uh, on average they don't even know what they are
1: it's true because people often watch our youtube videos and say oh i just saw you on the podcast i'm like "Um, (laughs) youtube's not podcasting
3: yeah yeah so so it only helps me to get people more interested in podcasts and and the genres that you like with, with Photog Adventures, you guys talk you you're you're more of a niche, you're more of a a, a thing there where it's it's getting out and having these adventures and going and doing these mm-hmm. these really cool landscape kind of shoots. And mine isn't exactly in the same space, so it was no problem at all to be like, hey, yeah, uh, these guys do a great job with it. If this is what you're interested in, you should go check it out. And I, I do that with all of them. And I'd I love to get on, on other shows too. Cross-promoting is, is huge and, and just oh, yeah. helps everyone grow their audience. So it's, it was great. It was awesome of you. Another way to put it into perspective is that
0: we created our admins of the Facebook listener group by choosing the first six people that jumped into the group on their own, on their own volition after we mentioned Mm -hmm. it a couple times on the podcast. They joined up and I asked them later on, so how did you guys find out about the podcast? And I believe it was unanimous, but maybe let's just say most of them Uh said it was through the Photo Taco podcast. (laughs) <laughs> they had all heard about us through you, so friggin' amazing, great. Jeff. You were a huge bump. I mean, it's just we hadn't experienced the kind of traffic to our podcast until you started saying those things. You know,
3: one of the biggest reasons that I like to steer listeners to other shows. I I love teaching about photography. I love helping <laughs> yeah. people learn. Uh, about what they want to do because I was I was there not very long ago in fact I, I still consider myself to be a hobbyist photographer very much in the learning phases mm-hmm. of, of how to learn photography and i i actually kind of hope it never changes like th- that's a, a i think it's a healthy attitude to have and a way that you're going to continually improve if you ever feel like you've arrived then you've arrived and you're done and I don't think <laughs> I want to be there I, I want to I want to always be improving and getting better at it and so i I sending people over to photog adventures was super easy because you guys are offering some tremendous value really good content to help with some stuff that doesn't get covered in a lot of detail like you guys are doing especially with the milky way kind of stuff so mm, it you. was really easy to send the traffic over there that's really nice of, yeah, you, that's awesome. of, of you to say and it's nice to hear
1: and first the time it was like a big light bulb and it went off in our brains was like we have to do more interviews yeah. you know this is amazing
0: like you know how awkward we were in the interview at jeff Harmon. <laughs> It wasn't so much that we were afraid of Jeff Harmon as much as we had prepared a script of questions. Mm -hmm. And so it made it awkward. So here's the first question that I asked my Photog Adventure listener admins about their lives and their photography in the last 50 episodes. So guys, you've been making fun of me for now two years and we started calling those things Photog Misadventures. So who wants to start first and share your most memorable Photog Misadventure that's happened to you in the last two years, the last 100 episodes of Photog adventure.
2: Yeah, it wasn't really an adventure, misadventure. It was just a stupid thing on my behalf. (laughs) Well,
0: Dan, (laughs) what was the stupid thing on your behalf that comes to mind?
2: I had a little carrying harness that I strapped to my belt. Uh, I was walking around uh, some gardens up here in Salt Lake, taking pictures, and in between pictures, I'd go to put my camera in that little harness. Well, I thought I got my camera in the harness, and turns out I didn't get it in the harness, <laughs> and it fell on the ground. <laughs> lens included? Lens included, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Luckily, it hit my shoe first, but still uh, knocked my lens out of calibration. I had to send it in and get it fixed.
0: Ooh, what kind of lens was there, a wide-angle lens or a zoom lens?
2: Yeah, it was my Tamron 24-70. to 70.
0: Okay, so 24-70. to 70. It wasn't one of your long wildlife lenses that hit the front or anything.
2: No, no, luckily.
0: <laughs> Is that a pretty expensive fix to send in for a calibration?
2: Uh, no, it wasn't bad.
0: How long did just... you have to wait for it to come back?
2: Well, the uh, the people that sent it in for me, they kind of forgot about it for about a week and a half, and <laughs> then it ended up taking another two, three weeks after that.
0: That's nice. Yeah, <laughs> fantastic. Anyone else think of their misadventure that they can think it was a memorable misadventure?
4: Yeah, I've, I've got a couple. All right, uh,
0: Brent, what was yours? A couple of them. Uh.
4: Other than when I was shooting with you and we got a flat tire because oh. that happens every episode.
5: Uh, <laughs> I guess that's just <laughs> another time? one of
0: my misadventures.
4: <laughs> I, I was on a family vacation and uh, my wife wanted to get a family shot, and so I set my camera up. I just propped it up on something, and uh, right, w- right when it was taking the picture, a big gust of wind knocked it down, and we got a picture of us kind of sideways, and then it landed on the lens and broke it. Oh, so,
0: so your misadventure is another adventure where you've completely uh, broke something or at least miscalibrated it. How? What was the end of the damage no, for you?
4: It was broken. I just threw it away. Oh.
0: So, when you said there were two misadventures, was the first one when I caused you to have a flat tire when you were driving over things that caused a flat tire?
4: Yeah, I blame you for that one.
0: (laughs) The best part about that misadventure is that we didn't have the right tools inside that vehicle to change the tire. There was something about the vehicle that was your parents, and they didn't have the proper tire iron, and we ended up having to wave vehicles down that had similar-sized tires, hoping that they'd be willing to help and have a tire iron in there that could could help us actually get that tire off Ah, tires misadventures well Jeff in the last two years of your photography what would you say would be the top photog misadventure that you had during that time have you had any misadventures when you're going out and doing photography I think I have misadventures constantly. <laughs>
3: so now I have it's to try to fun. think about which one would which be the <laughs> biggest mis- misadventure. Oh, the most classic. <laughs> I, I think the, the one that comes to mind the most would be um, the unfortunate demise of one of my flashes. So oh. <laughs> we, we mm. went out, uh, I went out to do a family shoot recently and, and a lot of my clients, so I, I do, I, I'm a hobbyist, absolutely a hobbyist photographer. I'm not doing this full time. I don't have intentions of doing this full time. <laughs> right. And... And so, but, but I really like it, especially because my wife enjoys it too. So it's something that we do together is shooting, doing family photos. I like helping these families to create memories. Uh, I like, we do it out in the, um, uh, oh, I just saw, oh, you just barely hit record, didn't you? You
0: saw that on your <laughs> end, too? I realized yes. I haven't been recording it on this because we I'm are we recording it on a here. separate box, but and so it doesn't <laughs> like, change oh, anything, <laughs> and you're doing a backup, and I thought, oh, I'll just hit record
3: anyway, and okay, that interrupted you. Yeah, so you, you. At least the experience. Okay, <laughs> sorry, all right. What did that do on your side that you saw? Uh, he just changed to say that it's recording now. That's oh, that oh, probably that's panicked probably little, you. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, "Oh, what happened?" I, I actually thought, "Oh, oh, I just like died. It puked." But okay, sorry, sorry, I Killed your momentum there. I yeah, I should have totally been able to deal with that better. But <laughs> all right, I'll I'll start back at the the start of the question here. I constantly feel like I have misadventures it uh they it's so deciding which one is going to be the problem which one am i going to do so i think we should talk about the the demise of a flash that i had recently oh. um not a professional photographer i have no intentions of being a professional photographer i'm a hobbyist i like being a hobbyist it's a it's my it's my retirement plan actually i i want to do this when i retire and awesome. I want to have it be fun. Mm-hmm. I don't want it to have it be a business and drudgery and and a job. So I don't have any intentions of changing it. I, not that if anyone does, that's great. Whatever your goals are, fine. But for me, this is not what I want to do. <laughs> so so. Uh, but we we do family photos, my wife and I, because it's something we do together, and so that's she cool. enjoys it, and I I have tons of fun with it, and I love helping families to get like memories, building, creating the oh, the shots yeah. that they're gonna love. I mm-hmm. love hearing their enthusiasm and excitement when they see the photos or or even seeing like mom cry. It's awesome. <laughs> I love it. So uh, so we do a lot of family photos and uh, we don't do it in studio. Like I don't have a studio to go to anyway, but most of the, the clients that, that I get, that they're not interested in studio shots either. They want to be out in nature. They want to be out to some of the, the places that mean something to them.
5: Right, and right. So,
3: so we go on location. I bring flashes with me. It's something that I've developed over the last two years. You kind of asked what's changed in the last two years. So that's really something that's come on for me. I've learned how to utilize flash and bring that into my photography. And it's made a massive difference in image quality, mm. a massive difference in the mood that you can get. And mm, you guys I talk bet. about mood a lot in, in landscapes and, mm-hmm. and getting that with the clouds and the sunsets and sunrises and, and all the mood that you can get from that or the tidal wa- or the waves, not tidal waves, but the waves coming <laughs> in on, on shore or whatever. All of those kinds of things can just dramatically change a photo, and I love being able to kind of do that with family photo- family portraits too. So, so I bring the flashes, and I'm I, as a hobbyist, I have a lot of gear that is like them on the inexpensive side. I try to to right. do that. It's, this is not a business for me, and, and it's a hobby. I need to rein it in and not and go out there and buy the the most expensive <laughs> gear. Flashes. You're one okay. of
0: the few photographers who actually do that successfully. Yeah,
3: I I think that's probably true. I think the the that whole gear acquisition syndrome is just huge. And you can get <laughs> phenomenal results with inexpensive equipment. It, does, it just takes knowing how to use it. True, so, true. um, So we, we went out uh, recently, and we were setting it up. And it, there was just a tiny bit of wind. It didn't seem too much. So I wasn't too worried. But I set up a, a, a light stand, put a flash on top of it. And it had a softbox around the flash modifier. And, and uh, so we were shooting. And then all of a sudden, just a, a gust came. And it blew it right off. Like, it was on the, the edge of a, I don't know, about a 15-foot little cliff down to the river. And it just totally went off the cliff down wow. into the river. Uh, the light stand and the flash and the softbox and everything went down in there. We could reach the, the light stand. Like, I could just bend down and grab the, the legs of the light stand and pull it back up. But the flash came off of the light stand. Oh, and so, so it was down in the river and <laughs> we couldn't, we couldn't really get to it. The river was big enough that, uh, you know, none of us were dressed to go get in that river and, and go try to get that thing. So <laughs> there is still a flash in the river <laughs> oh, man. on location here. And And now I had to recover. So I was glad I had an extra flash, first of all. I had another light stand that I'd brought in. I always always think like, man, I overpack for this like crazy. I have so much stuff that I bring with us and we barely use it. And uh, so I was really glad that day that... I looked totally professional in front of the family because I'm like, Oh, I'll just grab this out and we'll put another flash on and here we go. We're ready to go again. <laughs> like you've nice. been here before.
0: This isn't your first rodeo and you <laughs> yeah, look yeah. awesome doing it. How did it ever fall in the first place? Just a gust of wind? Yeah. yeah.
3: Just the gust of wind caught the softbox and just blew it over. What I needed to do was put a sandbag mm-hmm. on the light stand so that it would stay. And I didn't do that. So I didn't even have a sandbag with me that day.
0: Ah, uh. Oh man, (laughs) we've all been there where we expect our gear to stay where we put it and then Mm -hmm. suddenly a gust of wind in Iceland throws your tripod over and your camera and lens takes a big hit on the L bracket that has now bloated the bottom part of my 5D Mark IV. Mm -hmm. So yeah, fill you on the surprise gusts of wind, especially the really powerful ones. Dang. Yeah. Well, Photog Misadventures has been almost synonymous with the podcast. Uh, (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) People have been enjoying hearing the things that we do stupidly, and it's a weird thing to hear because you find out that the podcast is interesting because we're making mistakes, but with all the other things we're doing on our show, on YouTube, on our podcast, we're trying to repeat the things that are working. Well then, when we find out what's working is that we keep making bogus, stupid mistakes, we're like, wait, we're not gonna try and ever do these things on purpose.
1: No, it's just life, you know. It's just <laughs> yeah. We're just hoping other photographers can hear that and listen to that or see that and be like, Oh, okay, well, I don't feel so bad now. Like, but you're there. not the only ones. You know? yeah. everybody has <laughs> these issues. Exactly.
0: I think
3: I've learned that if if we're even if we're headed to the same place, I'm never driving with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> We've heard that joke many times. Oh my gosh,
0: we have really lost all credibility on safe drivers. We never had an accident. Our tire Tires just never make
1: it. The tire stores love us, though. (laughs) Tire companies should be sponsoring us. Yeah.
0: Sponsored by your local tire repair, Photog Adventures. (laughs) So let's jump over to the admins and hearing some more of their misadventures. So, Daryl or Rob, did you guys think of a misadventure that
6: you wanted to share? I got a couple.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I love how that comes.
5: Rob's got a few for all of us.
2: (laughs) A
6: few months back, I uh, was up looking for some burrowing owls, and... Wasn't really anticipating on doing much hiking around that day, so I decided not to uh, wear my hiking boots. So instead, I was wearing just my normal around-town shoes, which are basically flip-flops with canvas rather than the typical, like, little flip-flop straps.
0: I understand that.
6: And out in the desert, I went out to kind of just look for the uh, burrowing owl den because I wasn't seeing any around. So I walked out a little ways, and as I was walking back, I managed to find a hole, <laughs> twist my ankle up pretty bad. And as I went down, I kind of threw my camera forward a little bit, just and kind of as gently as I could. Well, in the process, the lens hood dug up a whole bunch of dirt. And while I'm laying there kind of recuperating, my buddy I was with comes over, picks up my camera and lens and everything, and instead of... uh tilting it down to make sure that the, uh, no dirt was in the lens hood, He tilts it back to look at the front element of the lens, just coating it with sand and dirt.
0: <laughs> so it's not like it's muddy, but he just covered it in everything that maybe was just barely touching your lens. Now your entire front element's covered in that dirt. Scratched yep. up at all? Any scratches?
6: Nope, didn't scratch it any. And didn't hurt the lens any. Everything was fine other than my ankle being jacked up, and it still gives me problems sometimes. But
4: oh, you're down one, friend. Are you
0: down one friend?
6: (laughs) Well, he hasn't been out with me since.
0: (laughs) Was it because of the strong words you used when he went out there and touched your camera? No, I was nice to him about it. (laughs) That's good. When I was with Rob and we were doing some photography, he put a soda can on top of the vehicle and a bunch of lenses. And then as we put everything in the car and went in, we drove off a little bit and something on the top of the vehicle rolled all the way down it and went to a crash underneath the vehicle vehicle and my heart sank as I'm picturing one of Rob's, you know, 100 to 400 millimeter lenses or his 7200, 200 or what else he had with him at the time. I'm like, that just went for a ride and then went and fell, hit really hard Whoa, crap, don't drive over it. And it turned out it was just his monster drink that was the one that went over. But that big can and the way it looked, I thought it was a lens going over, and that freaking scared the heck out of me. And
6: Aaron Aaron was panicking, and I couldn't figure out why he was panicking so bad because i knew it was just my energy
0: drink. <laughs> he really likes energy drinks he feels really bad for me <laughs> you made it sound like you had a couple of uh misadventures that you wanted to share Do you have another one
6: yeah so my other one was uh just this last weekend it was out at uh yeah oxbow bend in grand teton national park and we were photographing sunrise and the light was hitting the peaks between the Grand Teton and Mount Moran there, and so we needed to move a little bit further down along the riverbank to get a clear view of those peaks. They were kind of behind some trees. The three of us that were there all decided to run, kind of run down the riverbank to get a better angle, and I'm mean, leading the way. We come across some mud. I stopped to kind of assess, and then my buddy and the other guy we were with end up going through the mud no problems whatsoever just a little sloppy so i decided to go for it and just sank right up to my knees
0: was it your first step that you sank or was it a few steps in and you found that perfect spot that had just so much more water probably
6: my second step <laughs>
0: how high did you say
6: knee deep
0: knee deep and you're a tall guy <laughs> so that put you pretty deep we see some we've seen some pictures in the admin group showing at least what's happened and you had to big muddy thing that someone was holding. What was that? That
6: was my boot after (laughs) digging it out. uh, (laughs) Because to get out, there was no way I was getting it. The mud did that suction thing that I'm sure a lot of people have experienced with getting stuck in the mud where there was no way my feet were coming out with my boots still attached.
0: How did you ever recover the boot again? I would have thought that it's just goodbye boot at that point.
6: I uh, convinced my buddy to go digging.
0: (laughs) You've got some good buddies.
6: (laughs) And then he was nice enough to uh, take them down to the river and rinse them off for me too. Nice. So
5: He replaced the the buddy that you took on the last adventure. (laughs) (laughs) like that photog
0: misadventure so then daryl did you have any stories of misadventure in the last 100 episodes yeah
5: actually um i think i mentioned this on a previous episode but uh last year i was in uh my first trip up to uh banff national park in that area and i was at uh natural bridge uh shooting around moving uh it was in the afternoon or late morning a uh, bunch of big tourist bus uh, showed up, so I uh, I picked up the camera. I left the camera attached to the tripod. And that was my tragic flaw. Um, moved it, uh, went to move it. Was had one hand on uh, one tripod leg, slipped um, on some rocks, and because the now the camera was top heavy because I had it in my hand, everything went back and hit the hit the rocks. This is the second to last day. Of my trip there and i was completely hosed camera was was done oh. uh lens lens turned come to find out the lens was broke too i had to send that in separately but
0: camera body and lens both broken unusable yep
5: i was done i spent the rest of the time in my uh, hotel room sulking oh no kidding <laughs> yeah. oh, man.
0: oh my gosh how many bags of m&ms did you go through during
5: that time <laughs> No, and I couldn't eat. I was just too (laughs) distraught. Oh
0: my gosh. That sucks so bad. It's second day of the trip too and going out to Banff. Uh it hurts. It hurts.
5: Second second to last day. Oh, that's
0: better. Yeah. Still you spent the last part of that trip feeling terrible and then probably worrying about the cost. Was it pretty pricey to get everything back to normal?
5: Yeah, I sent it into MPS. I think yeah, I don't remember the exact price, but it wasn't cheap but it wasn't it was, it was a lot cheaper than buying another camera so and it came back looking brand new oh my gosh so they do a really nice job
0: Whew, thank goodness well my own misadventures you guys have heard many of them but one that we haven't really talked about in the podcast that happened recently was my very helpful efforts in making sure that the van in Iceland had some fuel in it and of course I didn't I didn't know that that van was a diesel engine. I thought that that van was a regular engine. And so I'm sitting there, there's a tired James and a tired Brenda in the back seat, and I'm just trying to get the car to spend on the tank. And I had a couple issues with getting the tank started, so I had all these windows of opportunity to be like, wait a second, that gas can, that gas cap was saying something about diesel. And I don't know what it was saying. Maybe I should read it this time. No, no, I just kept going. Finally got the pump to work after going in the station and back out. I mean, I had some good, open opportunities to realize my mistake. And I filled the tank from what was about one, I'd say there's one-sixth of a tank left. I filled the rest of it up with regular unleaded. And as we're pulling out of that gas station, it just seemed weird. It just drove a little weird and as we're kind of thinking about what could be wrong, in the back, James says, You filled it up with diesel, right? Well, no, I did not. I filled it up with unleaded. Pull over, pull over here. Just pull over right now. No, 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 right now. Pull, pull, pull. And I'm like, okay, okay, I'm pulling over. Turn off the car, turn off the... And we flip the switch. The thing turns off. We're now at the middle of a section that is about to be one of those roundabout, like little tiny roundabout, and you're going around it. And I'm off to the right and kind of in the way, but we just had to stop immediately because we did have some fuel, and the hope was that I didn't pull any of that unleaded through the fuel injection system and having that get jammed up and we spent the next hour waiting for a tow then we spent about an hour and a half to two hours waiting for them to take everything apart blow it out and then that entire tank of gas that that one of the most expensive parts of our trip all of that got thrown away and we had to drive right back to the same dang gas station where I filled up wrong and (laughs) fill it back up again so not only did Brendan's card take the first hit of the gas then he bought the correct gas and we paid for the repair which was about three hundred dollars and so we went from spending just a little bit of money too. all of a sudden we spent 400 american dollars just like that all because aaron king thinks diesels have to be giant trucks right that's the only thing that takes diesel
6: <laughs> as as soon as you said fuel in iceland i knew exactly what you did over in most other countries most vehicles run on diesel
0: i had no idea i mean i'm not a car even guy. little cars even little cars have diesel. So I've completely flubbed that up. So Brendan, I gave my story a little bit when I was sharing with the admins and you guys heard it here, but Brendan, mm-hmm. what is your most, like, what's the standout photog misadventure that you've had the last 50 episodes? Wow.
1: I, I'd probably say uh, after I just got a new car. Oh, that's really
0: sad. Then we started
1: <laughs> going on the freeway and all of a sudden we just clunk and, and then the car died. Yeah, like, the engine you just had to pull over off
0: on the exit, or the on-ramp. Yeah
1: and it's like what the heck is this so we actually uh, actually had a little prayer have hope for, to hope to to pray for safety We, yes, have to we drive, like for these few hours we have to drive forever <laughs> <laughs> we got a week long trip it's like yeah let's uh, hope this works out and it did <laughs> and it did it worked the whole entire time except for just on the very last leg in the desert of idaho and before boise to give credit to
0: brendan guys anyone who's out there listening to this thinking well of course brendan destroyed something or of course aaron and brendan did something crazy stupid we're not stupid we've spent through all the locations in oregon that we went to Mm -hmm. looking for a car auto shop because we were going to fix or check whatever it was Like there was an engine light
1: and we were trying to repair based on the engine light and it just wasn't the car is just stupid Whoever built the car was stupid. So <laughs> the, 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 what happened was the oil was low the entire trip, and we didn't know it. It never indicated it that. It never indicated that.
0: And it also never occurred to us to check Check the that. oil because the
1: oil had just been changed kind of recently, and so, yeah. So that was a bum deal.
0: So it turns out in the desert, what happened to it in the end? You were taking you a got, nice little nap, and I woke you up telling you some bad news.
1: Yeah. You're like, it just stopped. It just stopped. Cause, well, I woke up because I, cause all of some were are like decelerating. <laughs> <laughs> and the engine the car's just stopping so aaron pulls over and then we got to spend a 105 degree uh temperature outside uh a couple wonderful. hour wait for the tow truck to come <laughs> that was fun that was probably the worst i think it was on yeah, our way out of stressful. the trip,
0: too. So you're thinking we got to hurry and get back. That's one of the reasons why I ended up getting fired is because I said, I'll be back on this day to work. And because of this, we were stuck it's in like Boise days an later. extra day. Yeah. I didn't get into work until two days after I promised I'd be back. Yeah. And I didn't tell everybody because I also didn't care. So part of the reason was <laughs> I didn't actually update them and say, hey, you know, I'm going to be late. I was just like, I'll get there when I get there. That yeah. was my attitude. That's why I deserved to be fired. <laughs>
1: Maybe so a dead my, engine and a fired Aaron. Yeah, and, uh,
0: maybe Photog Misadventure for me was just that I had lost my job thanks to Photog Adventures.
1: Yeah, maybe. <laughs> so just not caring enough.
0: The admins shared <laughs> a lot of stories, too, that Rob was talking about dropping a lens and having his friend pick it up and run the sand and dirt all over the front element of the lens because the way he oh, recovered man. it from the ground, he like... Dug up sand and then lifted go. oh, it. Like... It wasn't that he scratched it against the dirt down. He scratched. He picked it up, but then just kind of flung all the dirt that could have been there in the lens hood and flicked it up onto the front oh. element. So the whole thing was covered. And then the rest of the guys shared chances of when they dropped a lens, dropped a camera, broken camera bodies, broken cameras, uh, lenses, and so it's just photo misadventures man we all have been there where we've damaged something pretty pricey
1: yeah i mean if you're out there doing stuff some stuff's gonna happen stuff is going to yeah. happen
0: okay guys i want you guys to think right now while we take this break I'm going to ask you when we come back, what was your favorite picture that you've taken in the last 50 episodes? So if you can think back to a year ago when we did this last episode, when we hit number 50, what's your favorite picture that you've captured? So let's go ahead and take our first break of the podcast. We'll come right back and we'll talk with our admins of the Photog Adventures listeners group.
1: Hey, welcome back to the Photog Adventures podcast. We're here with Jeff Harmon, and we want to talk to him about his Create Photography Retreat course that he has coming up in Vegas. Uh, Jeff, tell us a little bit about that and what you plan on doing. Yeah, what
0: are you doing out there?
3: Yeah. So, well, first, let, let me just plug the conference in general okay. because cool. th- this is it is a I think a pretty unique thing in in the country, at least in the U.S. So, th- there's plenty of conferences. There's there's all sorts of photography conferences. Uh, events that you can go to, most of them are pretty expensive, like True. thousands of dollars to attend, right? Just for the ticket for the conference, not including your travel, most of the time, or the hotel, or food, or any of that. And with the great Photography Retreat, that's a really big objective is to make it affordable for like the average person, the average photographer, <laughs> right, the hobbyist right. photographer, the hobbyist, right, to be able to get to the conference, and um, and it, so it's it's very accessible. And so that I think it's it's four hundred and seventeen dollars is the ticket if you go as of the recording of this podcast mm-hmm. if you go to create photography retreat that's it it's it's I know that sounds like a lot to some <laughs> to some people <laughs> but it as conferences go that is extremely inexpensive it makes it very accessible it being in Vegas too helps because a lot of people can travel there by car. Um, If you can't, it's it's inexpensive to get flights to Vegas. Those are usually pretty oh, inexpensive. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then while you're staying there, you have uh, accommodations that are pretty inexpensive. So overall, it is a really tremendous opportunity because of, of how accessible it is. And then if you've never been to a conference, I really just want to encourage you to go. If you have never been around like 400 people who are just super passionate about photography... <laughs> then it's a totally new experience. I didn't expect it. The, the Create Photography Retreat, the first year it was there, was something I had never done before either. Mm-hmm. Um, I went because I was going to present, but I was shocked at how much I just loved being around a lot of other people who love photography. It was it was an amazing experience. I did a Photo Talk episode all about that, the top 10 reasons to go to a, a, a conference. So you can go look that up over at phototacopodcast.com if you wanna check that out. And maybe get some convincing <laughs> that you wanna part with you know, a few hundred dollars and come out to the to retreat. But it's an incredible experience and I highly recommend, like more than buying gear or paying for, I don't know, what else you might be doing in photography, it might be the very best way to, to help you like make the jump from where you are today to the next level in your photography. Is, it certainly is. is. This thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, once you purchase
0: your camera and you have a lens or two to work with and you've been doing it for a while, the next best investment honestly is a retreat like this where you can talk and meet other photographers. Even if you're not one on one with the instructor, you're going to have other photographers next to you who do things in ways that you never thought of already. And you're just going to pick up tip after tip after tip. And it's just a huge, huge, awesome opportunity of instruction. Learning, and just kind of practicing and having someone around you that helps you do it out of your comfort zone a little bit and yeah, just, that's true the growth the growth was immense just for brendan and i when we went out to it in 2000 and yeah our 17. first one
1: in phoenix was amazing i mean there was like it's like three four hundred people were just like wow and we learned a ton of stuff I mean, the classes were great but just getting out there and, and going out and, and some of the classes were outside even in in studio settings and all kinds of stuff that we wouldn't have access to normally. It was it was really awesome.
3: Yeah, it's a great the, investment. The culture of the conference is, I think, different too. Now, again, I haven't been to a lot of them, so I, I can't say, but my impression is a lot of other conferences you go to, you have some major heavy-hitter instructors, like really top-of-the-line instructors that you're going to hear from during the session you might attend, but they're not really accessible outside of that. Mm, right. Mm-hmm. And And then the other people that are there... They're like they're viewing each other as competitors. We talked about this earlier. They're viewing each other as competitors. There's not a lot of of getting together and mingling and sharing ideas and helping each other or any of that. That's there. Mm. It's not for the beginners for the most part. Most of them are are more advanced techniques, and so a lot of people feel intimidated going there, especially if it's your first conference. Like I don't know anything (laughs) (laughs) compared to these people. I don't know what I'm doing, (laughs) and and they just don't get as much out of it as they could. And and we're trying so hard with this with this conference to make it be accessible, number one, and then the culture being one of everyone's here to improve. Everyone's here to help each other. Mm-hmm. And even if you don't get time with the instructors, which we try to do, the instructors try to spend a lot of time with everyone at the, at the conference, at the retreat. Um, even if you don't, though, there's a lot of other people there that may be a little further down the trail than you are in their, ph- their photography journey. And they are totally willing to help you. If you're going out to a shoot, and we have lots of opportunities at the retreat to shoot things, to different, various different things, landscapes, portraits, all kinds of, of experiences that you can have. And if you're not following and you're having a struggle and you're not getting it, then there's people that help you. I, I, I One of my favorite things was there was a, a lady that was there with her own flashes. She had, I don't remember the, the brand name of the flash, but she could not get them to work. Mm-hmm. And I tried to help her for a little bit. We tried turning radios on and off and trying to get them to sync up. And and I thought, I think there's something's wrong with these. I don't know what's going on. But here, why don't you just take this for a second? I, I let her have my flash controller. I already had the flashes set up for a portrait. And she cried because she was, <laughs> oh, wow. she was so like, oh my gosh, I can't believe someone was willing to help me like this right now <laughs> and make it so that I could still have this experience even though my equipment failed. Oh, and, and it was, I loved it. And that's the attitude that we have at the retreat. So I really highly encourage everyone, you know get it for a Christmas gift, something like that. But, but go buy those tickets and come join us in Las Vegas. It's really, really fun to, to be there. Seriously. Now for, for what I'm gonna be doing, my plan, and I don't have it all finalized. I wish I did so that we could have it all like a link and everyone could go sign up. <laughs> no worries. You got plenty of time until March 28th. To 30th. You're good. <laughs> Not really, but I, I'm, uh, I hope I can make it all happen. Um, here, my plan is I want to have a full Photo Taco experience through the retreat. And I really want to reach photographers who are fairly familiar with their camera but they're not sure where to go next. They're not sure how to improve. They, uh, you know, maybe a a pretty fundamental basic understanding of exposure triangle, but they still feel like my images are just not to the level I want them to be or what I'm seeing from other people. And I'm hoping that those people will, will want to sign up for this experience. So the pre-retreat workshop I want to do is how to be a ninja with your camera. I'm going to go through Ooh. all kinds of the settings. And even though you, you have an understanding of the exposure triangle, I'm going to go a little deeper. We're going to tell you how to use your camera so that you can it becomes a tool and you can feel like you're going to be able to meet whatever is going to be thrown at you. We talked Mm -hmm. about misadventures. You're going to be able to respond (laughs) to those misadventures and still get the shot, still come away with with things and be able to do it. And and it takes a really fundamental sound understanding of how to use your camera. Mm -hmm. Um, Most of the people I've taught the course a few times now and I've had a lot of people come in and say, "I already know all of this. I'm, I'm really just wanting to know, you know, one thing or the other, whatever it is." And then as we go through it, they're like, "Yeah, I actually didn't understand exposure triangle at all. <laughs> <You're>
2: like, oh, <laughs> I,
0: I didn't understand I, it that
3: way. I didn't really get it. I didn't really understand it. Now that you've gone through it the way you have, uh, yeah, that's that's different, and that's really going to help me. So, um, so I'm going to do that the pre-retreat. Through the retreat, I'm going to tackle some Lightroom stuff. I'm going to try to. Uh, I'm going to set. Up, I'm going to have a class." On like uh, beginning flash how to how to start getting used to that so some of those those kinds of courses um stuff that that will help after you've had the the camera instruction adding on a little bit there and then the end i'm going to have a post retreat class that is all about Lightroom. How to use all everything in Lightroom, how to go through it beginning to end so that you can get the very most out of your photos. We're not gonna go to Photoshop from Lightroom. That's a whole separate deal. Oh, yeah. You can do so much in Lightroom that it's it's super powerful. There's true, some newer true. features that I think a lot of photographers don't even know, like range masking, for example, That's right, that's right. been added recently and is so, so helpful. So anyway, yeah. we're, that that's my plan. I'm gonna offer a full Photo Taco experience aimed at those that are just needing a little help to take where they're at and get to the next level.
0: Nice. Well, that's awesome. I think that's one that I'll be attending if I'm not teaching at the same time.
3: <laughs> and if, if you aren't going to be there, like you said, I've done a lot of Photo Taco episodes on the topic so much that a lot of people think I should call it Lightroom Taco instead of Photo Taco. But, <laughs> but,
5: but, but uh, you,
3: you can go check out phototacopodcast.com, search in the show notes and and it, uh, pretty well any Lightroom topic that you've, you've got questions on, I probably have an episode on it at this point. So, so you can go awesome. check that out, search the show notes and, and find those episodes. Yeah,
0: Seriously, if any of you out there listening are not already fans of Photo Taco or i have never oh, yeah. heard of it, get out there and listen to it. You can find Jeff Harmon on the Master Photography Podcast. That's the Master Photography Podcast Network where he releases his Photo Taco episode. And now with the changes, Jeff, how frequently do you have new episodes for Photo Taco?
3: Yeah, so I'm doing Photo Taco once a month and okay. i i really want to get to the point that i do it more frequently than that i have so many show ideas and so many things i want to cover and <laughs> right and uh, i get feedback from so many members like i i wish you'd talk about this or that and i probably like you know 10 or 15 suggestions a week of of shows that people really want to have me do mm. and, and uh just with my family situation i got i have teenagers that are super active and there's too much stuff going on for me to be able to do it more, <laughs> right, more frequently right. than that <laughs> I, I mean I, on average per episode i spend about 18 hours of prep time and and processing time and everything wow. uh, building these things yeah. uh, a lot of research goes into them there's often as someone asks for a show i'm like i have never used this i don't know what this is i don't know how you do it mm. And so I, I'm spending a ton of time going into it. And then because I, I'm going to do a, an hour long deep dive into the full detail of whatever it is that that we're doing. So uh, so it takes a lot of time and I love doing it, I just don't have time to do it more than once a month right now. Right, right. <laughs>
0: Understandable. Wow. I'm hanging out with our Facebook admins. These guys make up Photog Adventures and all of them are priceless like assets of Photog Adventures and they've been helping us out since the beginning. And just before the break, I said, what was your favorite picture you've taken in the last 50 episodes? And Dan and Daryl spoke up first. They both know what they're thinking. So Dan, let's start with you. What was your favorite image Tell us quickly where you took it, how it went, capturing it, and why it's your favorite.
2: So I've I've taken a lot of pictures that I've that I've liked, um, but it's it's rare that as soon as I pull it up and do some quick edits that I that I really really like the shot. Uh, and so this last uh, week ago today, actually, I was up in Grand Teton. Um, at Jenny Lake. I was just on my way home from work up there. <clears throat> Stopped in first thing in the morning. I was the only one there. Pretty much everything's closed down up there, so all the tourists are gone. Had the whole lake to myself. Awesome. Um it was dead calm, perfect reflections on the water. Some low clouds moving in down at the base of the mountains. High clouds just barely covering the peaks and then little rays of sunlight hitting, uh, different spots on the mountain. Um, so I tried a few different shots, did a pano and then, uh, did one vertical, uh, with one of the peaks right in the middle and put my polarizer on so I could see the rocks at the bottom of the lake. And it's, it's kind of like, uh, I don't even know where it's taken the, the multicolored rocks in the lake, uh, shot that a few people have taken it's similar to that but uh not so multicolored. Hmm. but you can see all of the rocks in the water leading up to those reflections of the mountains and the clouds and Definitely one of my uh, one of my favorite shots.
0: Dan right now is staring off into the distance, having like this moment of zen. I am I'm... <laughs> about the picture.
2: And so he I want, really. Loves I want to it. go back.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Daryl, you said you knew what picture obviously was your favorite the last fifty episodes. What was it?
5: Probably Moraine Lake up in. Uh, I've been to BAM three times in the last year, or so um, first time to Moraine Moraine Lake is uh, is awe inspiring. If you've ever seen it, it's a very turquoise-colored lake. First time I was there, I got there I think at five thirty in the morning. I was the second person there. Uh, fortunately, I was the second person there because the uh, the route up to the to where you where most of the shots are taken uh, it was obviously pitch black, and I just followed the uh, the other people up. So I was the second person there, and uh, just an absolute inspiring area. It's turquoise uh water with mountains in the background, even though it was July, there was still uh, snow on the mountains. It was it's pretty impressive.
0: And you called that pretty lake awesome. Marin Lake or Marine Lake? M-
5: moraine Lake.
0: Moraine Lake. Awesome. Like
5: yeah, a glacial it, moraine. It, it, it's, okay. it's a
4: beautiful it, lake. I went there a number of years ago.
5: Yeah, it's only open from like uh June through uh November because it's it's a, a good twenty minutes down from the Lake Louise area, and um, it uh, it gets covered in snow. The road gets covered in snow. They don't even bother plowing it. They just mm. let it sit for the for the winter. That's a a I went
4: there, I thought it was more impressive than Lake Louise. Myself,
5: I, I totally agree with that.
0: And Lake Louise is so busy with so many people right there hanging around. It's kind of like an amusement park compared. To, I bet Moraine.
5: Yeah. Moraine like gets. Incredibly busy. By 9 o'clock in the morning, they have to shut the road down. Oh, but yeah. There's there's so few parking spots. Um, it's actually been on the Canadian, I think, $20 bill twice.
0: Well, that's awesome. Now, Rob and Brent, you guys are thinking about what your favorite shot was. I'm having
6: a hard time deciding between a couple. It's been a pretty good year for me. Awesome. Um, and it's all for different reasons. The first one that comes to mind is a shot I have of a short-eared owl and the shot is... I, I don't think I've really shared it anywhere on social media, but... Your favorite looking, image
0: you maybe have not shared with anyone yet? <laughs>
6: <laughs> I, I tend to hold on to favorites. That's for not a, a bad one. I,
5: should. I like that.
6: Just kind of peeking through the sagebrush at this short-eared owl sitting on just a snarled tree limb. And the reason I like that shot is because it's really good, and it was one of the first really good shots i got with the 200 to 500 lens i got earlier this year and that really kind of reinforced that purchase in my mind a little bit more (laughs) going okay this is what i was missing by not having more glass the second one is one of the uh first milky way shots i did this year it was first time using my star tracker on the milky way and just for the heck of it i decided to do a tracked exposure at iso 100 and it was a 12 minute exposure Ooh. and just the amount of- and because my foreground object went up into the sky it didn't turn out that good but the amount of color in that image was just wow
0: Awesome. Hey, Brent, did you have an idea of what your favorite image was? What was it? Where did you capture it? How did it go? My
4: favorite image um, is from Panther Creek Falls in Washington. Oh, I think I've um, seen I went up there. I went up there last year. I mean, the image itself, I didn't do anything special, but I got up there really early and it's kind of a, a pretty nasty hike down to it. And I was alone for probably three or four hours in the morning shooting every composition i could think of and one of them i I hiked down there's two falls i hiked down to the lower one um and i found a viewpoint where you could actually see the upper and lower falls in one so you get a giant cascading falls at the top leading down into a triple falls (laughs) down into another little small one with some fallen wood in the foreground and to me i mean i didn't do anything special with the shop but it was just such an impressive scene that I really enjoyed it.
0: That's a place that I've had on my list for quite a while. I'm hoping I can take you with me when I go. Those cascading falls in front of you can be so beautiful, and I'm jealous. I'm jealous of that shot. Thanks, guys. Thanks for taking the time. Thanks for hanging out. We'll go ahead and take our last break of the podcast, and we'll come back. We'll be talking with Jeff Harmon and your own Brendan Porter. Well, you've been awesome to hang out with us on our episode 100. We want to talk about, before you go... What was and what is your standout favorite image that you have captured in the last two years? I say two years because it's been about two years since we've interviewed you on yeah. December 4th yeah. of 2016. And so it could be any picture between then and now that stands out as, that's my absolute favorite. Where were you? How did the capture of the image go? And then why do you feel that it is your favorite image?
3: Okay, so uh, you can see it in the listeners. Uh, if you go to JS Harman Photos. Um, so Jeff Susie is why it's JS Harmon. JS Harman photos.com slash landscapes. And I, I have my, my, my top landscapes that are, are out there and the, I, I prioritize them by my favorite. So it was really easy. I just pulled up the site and went, okay, yeah, that's the one I like the best. <laughs> and, and the, the first one's one that I think you guys have seen already. Cause I, I believe you did a, a, an episode where I shared this one with you guys Zion, before. Yeah. Yeah, this is Zion National Park, and um, so the story behind it. I was with my my family on vacation there. We were just checking out the park, and um, and so we we hiked a short little. I think it was almost a mile to get to this little lookout point, and uh, and you know the most of my my daughter was complaining the whole way on the hike. Are we done yet? And she wasn't excited about it. a Fun it. hike and to get there though. It, it was. Yeah, actually, I, I kind of enjoyed. It. <laughs> I enjoyed it, sorry. And my kids, my older boys, they they were liking it. They were fine. And I'm dragging my massive backpack full of, of gear and lenses and everything. I had no idea what it was going to be like at the end. And I didn't know what I needed. So I brought everything. And <laughs> um, so we get there. And I start setting up to take some photos, and already, like, it it was less than a minute. My kids are like, oh, man, how long are we going to be here? <laughs> <laughs> like, Dad's this setting up. It's going to take less than a gonna, minute. He wants to take pictures forever. So I already knew, like, <laughs> the clock is ticking. I don't have much time. Uh, and it was, it was not a beautiful day for taking the photo. It was in the middle of the afternoon, and it wasn't cloudy. It wasn't overcast, even though the photo has a, a nice, beautiful sunset in it. <laughs> uh, it was a normal, like, blue sky, no clouds, very harsh shadows on all of the things that were there. And so I, my, I thought immediately, like, well, this isn't going to be an impressive shot. But what I want to do is I want to capture as much detail as I can. So I'm going to do a pano, uh, a three-tier, three-line pano uh, to capture all this detail. I'm going to use a zoom lens. So I, mm. <laughs> I think I went to 200 millimeters on this. And I just oh. paneled across the whole the whole scene and and stacked it and paneled it. And um, I, tr- I think I did some exposure blending too, just so I could have the shadow detail that I wanted gotcha. and be able to do it. But I knew up front, like, I'm not going to make this photo from the scene that I had today. This is going to be a composite. I'm going to replace the sky. And I'm going to make this a much more moody shot. And I'm going to make it feel like a whole different scene than what was real, what was there that day. So I, I knew in my head that's exactly what I was doing. So took all the the photos, hoped I got it all so that I had enough overlap and, and could stitch this all together. And so to do that, I mean, I, I took tons of shots just to make sure I had yeah, it all. And if yeah. I
0: remember correctly, you handheld the panel the whole time. I no did. Tripod. I
3: handheld the panel. I didn't have time it's to get, so I, so hard, I felt yeah. like I didn't have time to get out the tripod <laughs> and and really do this the way that I wanted to. So it was all just, you know, I, I did it in the space of probably about five minutes <laughs> to, to hurry and do this. So I took the shot and then I went home and stitched it all together and, you know, very boring kind of shot that wouldn't be phenomenal or, or one of my favorites for sure. And then I I took a winter sky shot. So it was still my shot. It wasn't uh, a, a sky from somebody else. It was still my shot, but it was a winter sky from here in Harriman. And uh, where it, the winter skies are just awesome <laughs> from where I am in Harriman in in November and December it's it's really cool. Plus they're happening at day at times that are like really reasonable. <laughs> you you don't have to get up at at five in the morning to right, go capture right right.
1: Yeah,
0: it's the only benefit so, of the long nights.
3: Yeah yeah it's it's awesome. So you can get sunrise and sunset. So I'm I'm often going out and capturing the sky and not because the rest of the scene like you know my my town here in Harriman with the power lines everywhere and and car <laughs> roads and stuff that's not you know going to make it but because i know i want to have some really cool skies to, to composite with so uh, so this was one from from one of those shots i took the sun sunset i believe it was and then i i put it in the background and of course the two don't match at all like this this <laughs> the scene was a very bright mid afternoon scene and this moody sunset scene wouldn't fit at all so photoshop magic and you can you know take some of the colors and apply them over the top and change the shading and the shadows of things that are there and doing dodging and burning and stuff so compositing them together and i just i just love how it turns out that i think it's pretty convincing as a composite that things match and it works well so i was really proud of the ability I had to, cre- to create my vision. I had yeah. this vision while I was yeah, out yeah. shooting. I knew exactly what I wanted to do. And then the question was, can I pull it off? Can I make this happen? And I think it, it worked out.
0: Hmm. there's a lot of work and effort that went into making this your favorite image of the last two years. It's funny how something with the more effort you put into it, the more it kind of just resonates in your heart. Oh yeah, yeah. The more you put into it, the more you get out of it. And that's Mm -hmm. proof right here, Jeff. Absolutely. Uh, One of my favorite images of yours all time is that super moon, though. I'm seeing it on this page and seeing
3: your work of bringing that.
0: You, You had a 70 to 300 or 70 to 100 for the moon?
3: Yeah, I only have a 70 to 200, so that's I used a 70 to, at 200 millimeters. it yeah. yep. looks so good on this hill. It's amazing. I love it's that. a great shot. Jeff, thank you
0: so much for joining us and celebrating episode 100 with us. We have to have you on again soon just to talk about some other stuff and talk tech and learn from oh, you yeah. again. Yeah. Not wait until we're at episode 150 or 200. <laughs> so Excellent. I'll
3: be ha- happy to do it. It'll be re- lots of fun. Awesome. <laughs> we'll
0: have you on much sooner than you think because now we're doing a Monday episode guys that is an interview episode and a Wednesday episode that's free and just as normal as, it's been, as it mm-hmm, has been mm-hmm. where Brendan and I are telling our photography adventure stories and interviewing some people so we'll have a chance to interview Jeff Harmon again really soon maybe before the creative retreat and we can talk more about your workshops oh, yeah. once that yeah. they go yeah, live yeah. Sure. that'd be awesome so Jeff you've mentioned a few of places already but if you don't mind just saying it again where can people follow you find you on the internet
3: Good question. So my, my portfolio is at jsharmanphotos.com. You can see all the work there. I'm heavily dominated by family portraits now instead of landscapes, but, <laughs> but still, still fun stuff that I, I like doing there. Uh, Facebook, you can find me Harmon Jeff and on Twitter Harmon underscore Jeff. And then uh, Instagram is Harman Jeff too.
0: Oh, right on. And again, if you guys aren't listening to the Master Photography Podcast Network and listening to Photo Talk when it comes out, please check those out and subscribe to them and follow Jeff there. Yeah. So, Jeff, we're going to have to have you back maybe before we do the top 10 or just do something, collaboration with you somehow with the top 10 of 2018. That'd be a lot of fun. So, thank you, guys. Thanks again. Brendan, before we end episode 100, is there anything else you want to add?
1: Oh, man. Just thanks, guys, for listening. Uh, this has been tr- a tremendous journey. Uh, 100 episodes for any podcast is a big deal. And so we are honored and grateful for your for your listens, for your, uh, your participation, and for your patronage. Uh, thank you, patrons. You have made it possible for us to continue this podcast for the last year, I guess, we've been on Patreon almost. It's oh, okay. been a while. Yeah, it's
0: been a year since we've done Patreon. Yeah, and
1: so thank you for your, your support there. It's been huge. Um, without you guys, it would been would have been really hard to keep going. So we really appreciate your support, and thank you. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Thank you, guys. Hope you guys have a good week, and remember, get out there and have a photog adventure of your own. Thanks, Jeff. Yep. Mm-hmm. See ya. See ya.